Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, Acts chapter 20, we're going to cover verses 22 through 26. And what we do here in Calvary, if you're new or visiting, is we actually pick a book and then we go through the book verse by verse. We hit the comfortable topics as well as the uncomfortable topics. So this morning, we're continuing a pastor's conference, an elders, a leadership conference. And so we, as a staff, we go to a pastor's leadership conference every year to be fed, to be encouraged and strengthened. It's down in Tucson. Pastor Robert Furrow puts it on. And this is what we do, just like what we're doing on Sunday morning. This is what we do. And various pastors and others will teach us the Word of God and encourage us and strengthen us. So you're at a pastor's conference, a leadership conference. So what we did last week is we touched on aspects. We looked at various aspects of the Christian faith that we should be allowing the Holy Spirit to develop into our lives as believers. You see, oftentimes, especially for young people, oftentimes when we receive Jesus, um, because we're kind of told that it's by grace through faith, and it is by grace alone, we get this impression that if we do something that it might be a work, and I don't want to work for my salvation, and you cannot work for your salvation. So as a believer, you need to get that off the table. That, that is not even for discussion anymore. You have to get that out of your head. But we should have works of salvation. We should have fruit of salvation. We should be proactive in our lives as believers. But unfortunately, many Christians are not proactive. They come to a Sunday study. They punch the clock. They checked the box off, they did their Christian duty, and now I'm just going to go live the way I live for the rest of the week. And that's where we as true believers and any true believer needs to debug the program. That's a code that you, that's a lie from the pit of hell that you've allowed the enemy to put in your head that Christianity is Sunday morning at service and the rest of the week well, I'm embarrassed, or I'm ashamed, or I'm scared, or I'm afraid, or, or they'll mock me, they'll, I might lose my job, this, that, or the other thing. Guys, we only got one shot at this life. Only one shot. And most people that we see, we're only going to have one shot. Now, our coworkers, that's a little different. But for most people, when we're in a restaurant or at a grocery store or whatever, it, most of the time it's just one shot. So don't be embarrassed of your Christian faith. But be ready to share the gospel because as we're going to see this morning, there's a lack of hope in this country, guys. I mean, this is really sad that adults, that adults, even adults outside our country are saying burn down the White House. Burn down the country. And these are not 20-year-olds that are saying this. These are people that are in their 50s and 60s that are promoting we need to burn down We need to have riots. We need to go against democracy. So what does that tell a teenager or a 20-year-old? It's kind of like the last 40 years when we tell them that they've come from the the goose, you know, the ooze, you've come up, you're animals, and they're behaving like animals now. Well, why are they behaving like animals? Well, what have we told them for the last 40 years? You're an animal. You came from an animal. Don't worry about it. Oh, well, the, the old people are saying we should go out and riot, so let's go out and riot. Isn't that what they're going to do? They're impressionable. So guys, we need to be praying for these older people. They're just, they're coming unglued. 
we are the stabilizing factor as believers. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And you won't find that in the Gospels. You won't find that in the epistles, going out and burning down Rome. Caesar burned down Rome, not Christians. So be very, very careful what you hear and what you adhere to. Well, the list last week, we touched on three aspects. If you'd like to take a picture of it or write it down. First aspect was our walk should match our talk in verse 18. The second aspect is humility. So again, this is for the pastors, leaders, elders, but it's also for every single Bible-believing Christian. Humility should be a major part of our walk. In verses uh, 20 21, we saw that continual repentance, even as believers, because none of us have it all together, continual repentance and growing in the faith is crucial. And so let's pick it up in verse uh, 22. And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Now, if you're new or visiting, this is Paul writing. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time, and we just continue in our worship of you. Worship, as we know, is not just singing. It's a life transformation process, coming to the throne, your throne, Father, and to say, your will be done. Mold me and shape me into the man, into the woman of God you desire me to be. But that takes humility and that takes surrender. So, Father, even right now, maybe, maybe this past week brought us some very hard things. Maybe even right now we're questioning you. Do you really love me? Do you really care? Why is this happening to me? I'm a Christian. God, I pray that you comfort that individual or individuals. Maybe someone who's tuned on in on the internet right now. That you would just reassure them via your word and via even each other. Other believers that you love them and care for them. And that you have your hand on the thermostat. That you know who they are. And what kind of heat they need to purify their lives. Father, we thank you for that intimacy in all of our lives. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching that you'll be glorified through your word. Whatever needs to be changed, Father, you do that via your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in verses 22 and 23, and see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So the next aspect that I see about the ministry is that Paul was attentive 
to the Holy Spirit. Now, this might seem like a no-brainer. Duh, we're all Christians. Is that the best that you got, Pastor? You studied all week for that? Duh. Duh yourself. Duh yourself. Paul had been called and instructed by the Lord about what would take place in his life. In Acts 9, 15 through 16, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, for he is chosen vessel of mine. This is Saul who was blinded, and Ananias, a Christian, was going to pray for Saul to recover his sight. To bear my name before Gentiles. Now, guys, as believers, you could put your name here. You see, you are a chosen vessel. Your body is a vessel or a temple, as the scriptures teach us, of the Holy Spirit. We all have a calling. A lot of times when we read these verses, we go and we lift those people up. Oh, yeah, that was Saul, or that was Peter, or that was Mary, or that was whoever. Again, this is about you and I as believers. Bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So that would be everyone. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And again, this, isn't, this is not what you'll find on Christian fiction. On the Christian fiction channel, you hear all the fluffy stuff and you're never going to suffer and you're never going to lack money and your health is going to be wonderful and you're just going to skip into heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell if you read all your scriptures. Turn the fiction off and read your Bibles. The Holy Spirit was prompting Paul to now move towards Jerusalem even though he knew, think about this, even though he knew even though he knew that trials, tribulations awaited him. In John 16, we read this. Jesus speaking to his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You see, they wanted to have peace in an earthly kingdom. Even earlier that night, Jesus is celebrating the Passover, and these knuckleheads, which I would have been doing the same thing, were arguing who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be on Jesus' right hand and left hand as we overthrow Rome? They still, after three years, had the temporal mindset. They didn't understand that Jesus came to go back to his eternal kingdom and to take Jew and Gentile with him. In the world, now here's a guarantee that most of you do not have on your walls. In the world, you will have tribulation. Do any of you have that plaque in your kitchen? Anybody get that one on your kitchen wall yet? Nobody does. But it's here, guys. It's here. If you haven't noticed, California is fining Christians for meeting. You can't sing. You can't meet. It's illegal. That'll never happen in America. Oh, it's just the virus. If that's what you want to believe, then you believe that. The numbers are not there. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, maybe Paul heard that from Peter because Peter and Paul had a very close relationship. Maybe Peter told Paul at one point, hey, Paul, keep pressing on. You got stoned. You actually died. I got the internet's watching. He got stoned with literal stones, not with marijuana. He literally died. He literally died. And then he got back up, resuscitated. He literally died, went back into the town where they just stoned him to preach the gospel some more. Maybe Peter said, Paul, just keep pressing on, brother. 
So here we see another aspect of the ministry for you and I being filled and open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. So I said, duh, earlier. Now you ask yourself. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. You ask yourself, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you say, I don't even know what that means, then you need to come up afterwards and get prayer. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And are you willing to move when the Holy Spirit says move or to wait when the Holy Spirit says wait? Or when the Holy Spirit says no, are you willing to listen? We can say, duh, that's quite obvious, isn't it? But we have to ask these very personal questions. I do as well to make sure that I am filled and moving in the Holy Spirit because my flesh wants to move. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians in just a few years during his first Roman imprisonment from this time, just a few years from now. And this is what he had to say about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. So important. And do not be drunk with wine. Now, I did marijuana. I did, a lot of, I did a lot of marijuana as a young teenager, and it fried my brain. So nobody's going to convince me otherwise. Marijuana is deadly. I have a two-week memory span at the best. It's just the way it is. When I say I remember, I just know it's a fact. So when I say I remember when we went to so-and-such and such, I know we went there. But do I remember? I don't remember. My wife, she can remember what we wore. She can remember what we did. She can remember so well she can start to have the feelings and the emotions. It's amazing. Everybody's different. But when I say I remember, it's just a fact. So this includes anything. If you're, if you're abusing prescription drugs, which is happening in America, you are numbing your brain. And you are allowing, I believe via the scriptures, you're allowing demonic forces to possibly come in and oppress you. A Christian cannot be possessed. That's impossible. But we can become oppressed. Prescription drugs, marijuana, alcohol. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. And dissipation there means an abandoned life. An abandoned life. I'm just going to abandon my Christian faith for a few hours. I need to relax. I need to get my mind off of my problems. There's nothing wrong with this. There is. There is. But rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will bring you peace, alcohol, drugs, sex, your career. Whatever you're trying to find peace with will not work. You will end up empty. I like it the way the New Living Translation says it. Don't be drunk with wine. Now, they did drink wine, so don't take this on an extreme. They did literally drink wine, but obviously the exhortation, if one glass of wine gives you a buzz, then don't drink one glass of wine. It's that simple. Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been traveling with Paul for many months now, and we've seen in his life that he knew what it meant, again, to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Do you? 
You see, others had prophesied that persecution awaited him, but he also knew that God would be with him. If God was with him, as Paul most assuredly knew he would be, why should he worry about what might happen? Because God had a plan for his life, and he knew that God would fulfill his plan in and through him. How do I know that? Because he wrote again from jail in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing. What thing are you confident of, Paul? You're sitting in prison. What are you confident of? You've been beaten. You've been shipwrecked. You've been whipped. Paul, what is your problem? Why don't you abandon the Christian faith? It hasn't been easy for you at all. No, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work. Guys, do you realize that? Before I was a Christian, I was doing bad things. I was doing bad things. But when I became a Christian, God started to do good things in me via the Holy Spirit, which then, desired, which then transformed my life to want to be good. Before then, I could care less about being good. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. But now the Holy Spirit is convicting me and filling me and guiding me and comforting me to want to be good. That's why in the scriptures that we don't have to worry about the law. We become a law ourselves because we're following after Christ. We want to be more like Christ. That God, who has begun a good work in you, will do what? What's he going to do? What's the word there? Feel free to say it all together. Complete it. Question, do you believe it? It's easy, and many of you might even have this verse memorized. You are, you've been done with it 30 seconds ago. But the question is, as we read the scriptures, we have to ask ourselves questions, do I really believe it? Because if I believe it, then what I'm going through, God has a plan and a purpose behind it. So why am I worrying? Why am I complaining? Why am I whining? Well, because that's my fleshly nature. I've got to grow. I've got to mature. I've got to get back in the word of God and memorize scriptures and press forward going, God, you're allowing this to happen. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. But you're going to work it for the good. Romans says that, right? Romans 8, 28. We all know that verse, right? If you don't, write it down. Again, verses that we all know, but we don't like to quote when we're going through the hard times. See, Paul was confident about this. Again, he's writing this verse while he's sitting in a Roman jail. God was going to complete in Paul what Paul wanted God to complete. Again, think about that. Paul knew that God would complete what Paul wanted him to complete. You see, Paul had come to that place of total trust in and reliance upon God. Do we see this as a nation? Do we see this as a nation as a whole? I mean, it's on our money, right? In God we trust? Do we? Are we relying upon God? Do we totally trust in God? Or have we as a society put our total trust, and it's just reality, we put our total trust in the Democratic Party, we put our total trust in the Republican Party, we're going to put our total trust in the Socialist Party, we're going to put all our eggs in one of these baskets because they're going to deliver us. Hallelujah, we're going to be saved. Right now, guys, that's what's happening in America. Well, you like it or not, that's what's happening in America. And many Christians are buying into that. Be very, very careful. Be very careful. You see, Saul had left behind the religious self-confident that he had had as a Pharisee. 
and became a humble servant, totally dependent upon the Heavenly Father. And so again, some questions, have we come to that place in our lives? In this area of trust, are we giving the Holy Spirit more room to work in and through that area of our lives? Again, it's very easy to quote scripture. How easy is it? How about Proverbs? You have this memorized, right? Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's, oh, all, all. I thought it was just some. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Now we have that part memorized, but let's go to the next two verses. Do not be wise in your own eyes. How? But I'd like to argue. I'd like to take a stand and make sure that everybody knows I'm right and they're wrong. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Reverence the Lord and depart from evil. You see, if we get in big arguments about mask, fine. You can take your stand. But what did you just do with that person? Most likely you've caused division anger, hatred. So while you think you're justifying your stance, we're creating sin. And as believers, we're not to do that. We're to be light and salt. So if you give your opinion, take it back to the word of God and reassure them. Why are people wearing masks in the first place, guys? What is the big deal about masks? You know why they're wearing masks? They're afraid to die. They're afraid to die. That's bottom line. Get rid of all the other nonsense. They're afraid to die. And so we can say through our mask, you know, Psalm 139 tells me that God knows the number of my days. And you know, you are going to die. Mask or no mask. That'll wake them up. And then say, but I'm okay with that because I'm going to heaven. How about you? Does that cause division? Well, it might but not like arguing the mask will. So we have to be careful. Verse 8, it will be health to your flesh. What will be health to your flesh? Going back to verse 5, trusting in the Lord and leaning out not under your own understanding. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones by leaning not on your understanding, but on the ways of God. Well, fourth aspect, being filled and open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Verse 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Another aspect of the ministry. Even though Paul knew that there was trouble ahead, he was more focused on the eternal than on the temporal. So this is very applicable for us today. We know where we're heading. We're heading to heaven. Maybe you're not a Christian here. Maybe you haven't received Jesus as your Savior. Let me tell you, let me tell you over the internet, you're heading to hell. That's what the Bible says. If you don't know God, you're heading to hell. Before I knew God as my Savior, Jesus as my Savior, I was heading to hell. I received Jesus as my Savior, now I'm heading to heaven. So now that we're heading to heaven, we have to remember that everything else is temporary. You see, Paul's full-time calling was to preach and teach the gospel or good news of Jesus being the Christ 
the Messiah, and it was his joy and his passion. There was nothing else that he would rather do. He was willing to lay everything else aside to be an example for Jesus to others. Think about that, even as ourselves. Now remember, when necessary, Paul worked to support the ministry during his years of service to the Lord. We'll see that in some verses in the next few weeks. So he did support himself, but other times he was supported full-time. So whether he was supported full-time or had to work part-time to support the ministry, he laid aside his own previous ambitions to serve God. You see, guys, for you and me, how is that applicable for you and me today, young or old? Sometimes people think that the full-time ministry is for pastors. But as we've studied many times over the years, we all have the opportunity to be in full-time ministry. Here's a question. Do I see that God desires to use my everyday life for the gospel? As you go out these doors, over the doors we purposely put, now entering your mission field. The church doesn't stay here. You don't punch the clock and the Holy Spirit stays here and the church stays here. No, when you leave, the church leaves. The church leaves. This is just a building. These are just walls. The church leaves. My ministry is happening partially right now. And then I have ministry throughout the week. Your ministry, you're being ministered to right now. When you go out those doors, your ministry is starting for the rest of the week, just like for me. So don't put it all on the pastorate. Take it upon yourself as well. You all have ministry to do. What would you do and how would you do that? You see, when I take my eyes off of the eternal or our ultimate destination, heaven, I can easily get caught up in the moment and the things of this life. I start to count my life, what's Paul saying? I start to count my life dear to me. My life is dear to me more than the gospel. I start to become overly protective of my physical possessions of this world that are eventually going to burn. I forget the needs of others and focus upon my needs and the fulfilling of my desires. And if this is you this morning, maybe even just a little bit you, you're going to end up empty. You're going to end up empty at the end of the day. But if you stuff those, if you, if you ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength and you look past those and you go out and minister, when you go to bed tonight, you're going to lay your head on the pillow. You're going to say, God, thank you for using me. And then you're going to think about that person that you maybe planted that seed. It was maybe 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Lord, bless that person. Open their heart to the gospel. Lord, save them. Lord, give them hope. Lord, they were crying. Comfort them. Send them the Holy... And you're going to, you're going to go to sleep praying the ministry praying about the ministry that you just had this past day. Maybe it was only 10 seconds. Maybe it was 10 minutes. But you'll be praying about that, and the peace of God will come upon you. You see, what I hear from Paul in this verse is that even his life meant nothing to him. He had come to understand the true meaning of joy. Allow Jesus to minister to you first, then minister to others, And finally, look after your own needs last. Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. Very important. Joy. You want to find true joy? Jesus, others, yourself. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And as you turn there, I'm going to read verse 24 again. 
But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Now again, he's not suicidal or he's not stepping out in front of a donkey, so he shouldn't be goofy or silly. So that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. You see, everyone in this room, every Bible-believing Christian, you have received a ministry. When I was working at Motorola for 12 and a half years, I had ministry in the church because we were doing premarital counseling as well as marital counseling. But I also, when I went to work, prayed, Lord, use me in the ministry. And when I went to work at Motorola, that was my daytime ministry. Be an example for you, Father. Pray for people. Share when I have the opportunity. It's so unfortunate. So many of us check our brains when we leave the church. and We think, well, ministry's over. No, you have to stay engaged. Because Paul says, so that I may finish my race with joy. Jesus, others, yourself. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. And so Paul takes a physical analogy, the Olympics. He takes this physical analogy and he's going to apply a spiritual principle, as rabbis would do, as you can do to a non-Christian through their work. You can give them an example of why we read the Bible, why we go to church. But you, you draw them in with a physical analogy So Paul uses this physical analogy. Say it's a 100-yard dash at the Olympics. One person wins. They all don't get trophies like Americans do now. One person wins. And that person would go to the Bema seat of Christ. The Bema seat of Christ. The Bema seat of the judges, which is the reward seat, which every believer is going to stand in front of the Bema seat of Christ one day. The reward seat of Christ. What did Jesus say? Store up treasure in heaven. So guys, this is what Jesus is saying. I'm just encouraging you to go out there and do it as I need to be encouraged to do it as well. Well, I don't need treasure. Okay, fine. Don't listen to what Jesus said, but that's what Jesus said. Paul goes on to say, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Obtain what? That corruptible crown? The the laurel wreath? And you would be exempt from taxes if you won in the Olympics? You'd be exempt in taxes. If you weren't a citizen, you'd become a citizen automatically. You would get special benefits from the government. But when you died, what what does it matter? You see, for us guys, we're heading to heaven, an eternal crown of glory, not a temporal crown. And what we do, we send ahead. Verse 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is self-controlled in all things. That's what the word temperate means. You're self-controlled. Now they do it, speaking to the athletes, they do it to, to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, Paul concludes, with not with uncertainty. And for us as Christians, guys, we shouldn't be, I wonder if I'm going to heaven, I wonder if I'm not. I wonder what God would have me to do today. Would he have me to read the Bible? I wonder if he'd have me to read the Bible. Should I pray? I wonder if he'd have me to pray. Should I witness? I wonder if he'd have me to witness. Is that what we're doing in our Christian faith? Just kind of flip-flopping back and forth like our politicians do? Have you seen our politicians do that depending on who they're talking to? They flip-flop. 
They just flip-flop. It changes. shouldn't change in our lives. It should never change in our lives. So therefore, I run thus. In other words, I walk my pace. I walk my race. Everyone, every Christian in this room, every Christian watching on the internet, we're in a race. We're in a race. And this is not a physical foot race. It's a spiritual race. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So Paul's just saying, I just, I just don't get out there and flail. I hope I hit something. No, he's on his knees praying spiritually. God, what would you have me to do? Verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. What's he saying? When you look up that word discipline, it means to beat black and blue. What is Paul saying? He literally doesn't beat his body, but he crucifies his flesh because his flesh wants to go off the path, wants to get out of the race and go on a different course. And so he says, no, flesh, you're not going to do that. I've got a race and the Holy Spirit's going to show me what to do, not you. And so he disciplines his flesh. He brings it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. As we look back in Acts chapter 20, disqualified has nothing to do with losing your salvation because that can never happen. It has to do with losing our Christian testimony before an ever-growing callous world. You see, Paul's course was to preach the gospel of grace to everyone he came in contact with, not to teach others how to fulfill the requirements of the law, which he used to do as a Pharisee, but how to abide in God's grace. He no longer taught others about how they needed to get God to love them. How many of you... Let's do a show of hands, so get your hand ready. And don't be afraid, because you're not going to be the only one. How many of you were raised in a religion or were taught that you needed to behave a certain way in order for God to love you? Raise your hand high so that others can see that they're not the only ones. I was raised in that religion. Is that biblically true? No. No. God loves all of humanity as we approach 8 billion people. God loves every single one of those people. God has forgiven every single one of those people at the cross. But not every one of those people are going to appropriate that forgiveness. If you're here this morning, God loves you. God's forgiven you. You have free will. You need to accept that. You need to appropriate that. No one can do it for you. And from this day forward, you'll never be able to say, well, I didn't know God loved me because you just heard it. It's in the scriptures. God loved you. God forgave you. You have free will. You can stiff arm him and go to hell or you can accept him and go to heaven. It's that simple. We're not here to play church it's that simple. So, question. As Christians, why do you keep asking so many questions, Pastor? Because we're doing a Bible study. Remember, this is a pastor's conference, a leadership conference, a ministry conference. As Christians, are we actively participating in the race that has been set before us? What's your race? Are you in construction? Are, are you a homemaker? What, what's your race? Don't compare it to everybody else. What's your race? Are you retired? And you think you're not racing anymore? I'm done with that race. 
Thank you, God. Really? You just said you're done with your Christian faith? Because that's what you just said. We're talking about Christianity here, not your earthly employment. And in Christianity, there is no such thing as retirement. No such thing. So are we actively participating in the race that has been set before us? Or have we settled into a comfortable Christian lifestyle? Another question. Are we trying to finish the temporal course set before us? Because it is all temporal, guys. Every day, one, one day, we're all going to die. We're all going to take our last breath. And, and I'm just going to sit there. I, I hope I have enough common sense. And I hope I have enough ability to say, thank you, God, the race is over. And I pray with that last over, I go home. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the race being over. But until then, guys, do you want me to quit as your pastor? Do you want me to quit racing? Do you want me to go off the, off the deep end and just start doing things that are, that are unbiblical? Do you want me to do that? Well, I don't want you to do that. So I'm exhorting you to do what I have to do. I'm no different than you. I have to beat my flesh. I have to deny my flesh to be right with Christ, to go out and minister. I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but how many of these answers are getting positive in your head? Are you going, oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, I do. Are you, or are you going, ooh, ow, oh, ow, stop spanking me, God. Are we trying to finish the temporal course set before us with joy, or have we allowed the world to replace that joy with fear, frustration, and anxiety? So the fourth aspect, being filled and open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Fifth aspect, are we more focused on the eternal than the temporal? I encourage you to do so because more fire is coming, guys. It's unbelievable what our country is going through, and it's not going to stop. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Acts chapter 20, verse 25 and 26, as we get ready to wrap it up here. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I test to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now, right away, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. He had Stephen Stone killed. He had other people tortured and killed. What's he saying? Well, let's look at what he's saying. Let's look at what he's saying. You see, Paul assures them as far as he knows that they will not see him again, at least not on this side of heaven. He is not sure about what is going to take place. But this much he does know, that he has shared the gospel with those who he came in contact with. And guys, that's my role on a Sunday morning, whether you like me or not, or, or you think I don't make you comfortable or I make you uncomfortable. That's not my point. My point is to give you the gospel, get you the gospel, make, help you to grow and to mature so that when I leave, I can say, I did my part, God. The rest is up to you. I did my part. You see, he has presented the gospel so that others will be held accountable for their own choices as far as Jesus being the Christ is concerned. And he makes mention, without mentioning the name, I believe he's making mention of what took place between God and the prophet Ezekiel hundreds of years before. You see how it was Ezekiel's responsibility to warn the people, the watchmen on the wall, that conversation that, that Ezekiel had with God, with the Holy Spirit, the watchman on the wall. Ezekiel, you warn the people. Because if the watchman doesn't warn the people and the town gets broken into, they're going to come looking for the watchman. And the blood of the people, the blood of the innocent people will be on that watchman. But if the watchman announces the enemy's coming 
and the people don't do anything and they come in, then their own blood is on their own head. That's what I believe Paul is saying here. As he says at the end of verse 26, that I am innocent of the blood of all. Man is italicized, so it's not there. The blood of all. I shared the gospel. I was willing to share the gospel. So, let's throw up the last slide. Fourth aspect, fifth aspect, and now the sixth aspect. Doing our best to share the gospel with others. I have fear just like you. I get intimidated just like you. So we got to pray and we got to do our best to share the gospel with others. So as the music team comes up, we get ready to wrap it up here. We'll cover more aspects of the faith next week. You know, it's been a lot of practical things, a good practical conference so far, and it's going to continue that way. Invite someone to come back with you because it's only going to get crazier in this country and this world. And with your friends and family members are looking for something to hope in. You see, Jesus is the only answer to their searching hearts. I hope you didn't zip up your Bible. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We'll wrap it up with these verses. Jesus is the only answer to their searching hearts. It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's not the Socialists. It's Jesus. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all mankind, to men and women, boys and girls, young and old. Teaching us that. So here's for the believer. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly for the Christian. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for what? The blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, that's our hope, that blessed hope. We need to be responsible. We need to go to work. We need to go to school. We need to do all of those things. But don't negate our Christian responsibility to pass the gospel out as much as possible. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. Guys, that's for you and I this morning. And as we go out into our mission field, don't get caught up in all the nonsense that's going on. We need to speak against it as Bible-believing Christians, but don't get caught up in it. But rather, make sure that we're letting people know Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only answer. Do you know Jesus? Might only be five seconds, ten seconds, but at least put it out there, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity that we have as Bible-believing Christians, as ambassadors for Christ, to be able to share the good news with a world that doesn't have any good news. There is no good news. It's, they, good news. People are full, filled with anxiety, with worry, with hatred, with vengeance, spewing it out of their mouths trying to cause damage to others physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. 
Father, this ought not to be, but we shouldn't be surprised. Before we knew Jesus, we were probably doing the same thing. We've just forgotten because you've been so good to us. But maybe we need to remember so that we'll pray for these souls that are so lost, that are so wrapped up in the temporal. Father, this week as we go out into our mission field, help us to be ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to allow your Holy Spirit to change our agenda. Maybe it's only five seconds. Maybe it's going to be five minutes. Maybe it's going to be a whole hour where we have to spend time with someone who's suffering, someone who's contemplating suicide, someone who just got a pink slip, someone who just got the diagnosis of cancer. Father, help us not to be so busy that we miss, that we miss those appointments, those heavenly appointments. We don't want to miss them, Father. So help us to be filled with your Holy Spirit and to be humble enough to allow you to change our schedule. We thank you for this time, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.